Derek, John, and Will, and no driving gloves tonight. How are you guys hey! doing? Good. How about you, John? I'm awake. Whoa, whoa. Will Will's actually here. Holy cow. I did have a question, and I posted it. I think I put it on no driving gloves, and I put it on my private Facebook wall. Did anybody pay attention to Monterey last week? Oh, you want to talk about auctions of used cars, huh? <laughs> uh, maybe just one particular one, but... <laughs> I'm hoping to have a guest on who uh, I was live streaming that auction as it happened. Couldn't believe it. <laughs> Still can't believe it. We're, I guess I'll leave that one alone, but did you see any of the results from anything out there, Derek? And um, are we in a downturn of this collector car economy? Because, you know, it's not record auctions. It's just record setting prices on certain cars and those cars still weren't even meeting their pre-auction estimates. Or do you just think it was the... Yeah, I mean, I saw... I, I saw... I, I've, I've, uh, let me start over there. I have seen some of the auction results, not all of them yet. Um, I've been busy not only with some big activities coming up at work. Uh, we're coming up on the 25th anniversary celebrations at work. You know, also this new used car that I'm acquiring for my collection. I would say that it definitely appears that this year was a, a downturn in some of the values. And, and I don't know necessarily what's playing into that right now, if it's going to be a trend. I, I mean, I think I think we've seen it starting over the last few years where some of the cars are holding a value. And, and as you say, John, you know, setting some records. But when you take a look at the bulk majority of of the cars that are being sold at some of these auctions, I think especially, you know, as we see more and more of the early cars coming up uh, to auction, you know, we're going to start seeing the prices slump even more just because number one, there's going to be so many on the market available. I mean, I've been surprised honestly, lately uh, going on to some of the, the classified sites that I tend to peruse now and then uh, looking at what's out there and kind of keeping an eye on idea on what prices are running. But there are every day more and more early cars getting posted up for sale, big, especially big collections that, you know, the older generation has, they're dying off. It's their estates and they're the, the, the market is essentially starting to kind of, I can't, I don't want to say saturated, but uh, you know, we're starting to see an, uh, uh, an uptick in the number of early cars that are coming available because of this. And, you know, even if it's on, you know, the local classifieds, the fact that that number of cars is out there, it's going to have an impact on the auction houses all the way up to the high end auctions that happen at Monterey and stuff like that. Just because, you know, these cars are out there and, and people that the very few people that are, you know, in the younger generation that are interested in them, well, we're going to start trying to pick them up. I mean, that's, you know, 
the the car I'm getting. It's I haven't mentioned what it is yet. It's a 1919 Chevrolet 490 Touring. It's an an older couple here in the town I live in in Bowling Green. They've got a couple antique cars. They know their health is at a point where, you know, they're in that season of life, if we can call it that, that they need to start getting rid of some stuff because, you know, the family doesn't want it any, you know, there's no one in the family to hand these cars down to things like that. So somebody like me that likes the early cars, well, as soon as I hear about it, I'm there. I'm going to see what it is. I'm going to see, you know, if I can acquire it for my collection. And fortunately it all worked out and I'm, well, by the time this airs, I will have the car in my garage working on it. You know, I, I, I think we are starting to see that, that little bit of a downturn, and maybe I'm completely wrong, but I, I think it's going to be a trend for the next few years that these car prices are going to start slumping down a little bit as interest changes in in the market. For the kind of uh, cars that you've been buying or you're buying in your interest, I totally agree with you. I'm just, you know, I guess my thought or my, my wondering is uh we just recently tried to do a car for a client of mine and uh, put it on bring a trailer and it didn't bring anywhere close to uh, what we felt the reserve would be, which is also way off of where the cars were just six or eight months ago. I mean, we were kind of very realistic with our pricing and I mean, almost a hundred thousand dollars light on uh, what car these same cars were selling for, you know, just a few months ago. And then we get out to Monterey, and then they had that McLaren F1 um, sold for 19, but I believe the uh, you know estimates were 20 or 21 on that car. The Porsche quote Porsche Type 64, the estimates were 2022, and yeah, that auction had that's the auction we kind of alluded to had its issues, and I have my opinions. I did put them in writing, but I won't just go to the Facebook page and read it. It didn't even bring 17. Uh, didn't sell. Uh, I'm trying to think. The, I'm sorry, John. Did, I'm, I'm sorry, John. John, did you, did you say 17 or 70? I, I didn't understand that. I, I, I try not to have an, an accent there, but uh, I, I can't even get into it. I, I, like I say, I hope to have that guest who is in the room, but it's, yeah, <laughs> whether it was 17 or 70 or um, somewhere in between, but even the Ferraris they sold. I'm trying to remember the La Ferrari brought four million, or and which is the same as the F fifty brought. Good number in the F fifty, lousy number on a La Ferrari, in in my humble opinion. The James Bond car, yeah, spectacular, most money ever paid for a DB five, but it still missed some of the pre auction estimates. I you know I had seen. I'm not sure exactly where the auction house put it. But the pre-auction estimates were like eight, and it sold for six and a half. Yeah, that's almost there, but that's a huge difference. Uh, there's just some some well, things. I, I'm, but here's I, I got I got a little something that that I think may be part of it. All right, fine. We'll let Will talk. All right, yeah, y'all be quiet for a second. I honestly think that in this day and time, the cars that John's bringing up are cars that you sit there and look at. They're not cars you get out and, and drive very, very often at all. 
And and I honestly believe that in today's time, people enjoy moving around in their vehicles and driving their vehicles more than they ever have. Um, which you should be with with all of these crazy, you know, government regulations and rules. I mean, we had a podcast strictly about that not long ago. And so people are people are wanting to get out and enjoy their vehicles more than they ever have. Um, I mean, I guess the guy that can spend, you know, seven million dollars, seventeen million dollars on a car, uh, he's probably got a staple of cars that he can pull out and drive whenever he wants, whatever he wants, whenever he wants to. But you know, that's kind of that's kind of what one of the things that I I think about is people want to drive their vehicles more than they ever have. And am I going to spend? 17 million dollars on a car and just sit there and look at it just to say i've got it or do i want to go spend you know a million dollars on a car and and actually get out and drive it and enjoy it and and be seen in it just a thought i I like that thought i i mean i i i I like what will's saying here and i mean what i was gonna say was a little off track hey can you can you say that again I think we've got it recorded. <laughs> and I was going to agree with Will, too, is that there there is that move to more drivable cars. Those high-end cars are always the barometers. And what they kind of measure the, the field as. Did you hear, can I just pause for a second? Did you hear how excited Will got that we both agreed with him that he barked? <laughs> Did you hear that? That's right. <laughs> So real quick, John, before you jump into your next thought, I want to go back some because and, and I know we've gotten off to a whole different topic, and that's why we are no driving gloves. But one of the things I've always and I know I, I, I come from a different angle being in the museum field and and you know I guess being the type of car guy, car person I am, I, I hate that term and I ugh. But one of my problems or one of the things I've always wondered about, and and I think we've even talked about this on the show before, what truly makes a car worth a certain number? You know, where do these auction houses come up with some of these numbers? And sometimes I get really worried that some of these auction houses, you know, okay, they've got these auction estimates that they put out in their catalogs and you know in the case of this year and this was you know one of the odd years where a lot of the cars did not reach that value and and so that's telling us what the market truly holds for these cars you know are are these auction houses trying to inflate the market intentionally with these high auction estimates that they put out before yeah, before the auction happens. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's just one of the questions I've always had. I'm not saying that they do. I'm not saying they're in, intentionally doing this to drive prices up in the market. When we see a year like this, and we see that the cars are not selling for that price, what gave them the impression that these cars should be bumped up that much in the pre-auction estimates? I have no answer to that. 
some of the answers and some of the theories. And that's almost uh, an episode in itself. But a lot of times, and there's certain cars that actually were presented this year that the belief was there that they were only brought to auction so that they would not make the reserve because they were trying to get more money than what the asking price has been for the last decade on some of these cars. But, you know, they wanted to, well, it did do X number of dollars at auction, but it didn't quite meet reserve. So, you know, now that the owner's had it for a while and he's thought about it, oh, he's he, he's willing to take, and we'll say, you know, $5 million. The car's been on the market for, you know, it hasn't sold for years at $2.5 million. The owner wants five for it. So he puts the he gets an auction house to put a seven million dollar reserve. And I'm using arbitrary numbers and if there's a car that matches this, I'm sorry. So they put the reserve at seven million. The car doesn't sell, but it bids to five. Because first off, if you read your fine print, most auction houses, most states, it's legal for the auction house to bid on the car up to reserve price. So they bid on the car to $5 million. The car doesn't sell. Owner takes it home. He pays his listing fee and oh, whatever fees, a couple thousand dollars in fees, takes it home. And now he has a change of heart. And he goes, you know, it's only worth $5 million. I'll let it go for that. Now somebody wants to buy it for five. And guess what? He's doubled what, you know, his, his offers have been for the last decade. You know, there's potentially, you know, there's that kind of happenings. There's the, quote, I want to call it the five-year plan, as I heard it recently referred to in discussions about auctions, where a car will come up and be bid to a, a price and, quote, sold, or it disappears. And then five years later, it reappears with new paperwork and a new story behind it, bids a little bit higher, but it may never sell. Take the auction houses out of it and just go dealers. And you buy X car for half a million dollars, and then the next dealer buys it for seven hundred fifty thousand, and then the next dealer buys it for eight hundred fifty thousand, and the next dealer buys it for one point one million, and the next dealer buys it for one point two million. What's that car worth? It's never sold to any person. Is it still a half a million dollar car? Or is it one point two million because six dealers have had it and each paid the previous dealer just a little bit more money, but no consumer has ever bought it. It's all speculation money and. I think anybody who's pays attention to the market and sees and knows the conversation that I guess it's the subprime lending with the car market that people are scared of, but the same manipulation is happening at the very high end of the market and in, in the middle of the market. I don't know what numbers are real and what numbers aren't. Um, back when I lived in D.C., I could tell you exactly what the trade-in value on my car was going to be. Go find the same car. Say, take my SHO. They are going to ask $30,000 for that car on the market today. My trade-in value in Northern Virginia is $15,000. Doesn't matter. It's half the retail value. That's the way the market works up there. You'll never get more than that. You'll probably never get less than that. It's 50% of the value. Here in Alabama, the number's a little bit different. It's maybe 70%. Find the same car... 70% of that will be your trade-in value. 
I don't understand it. There's a lot of manipulation that goes on when you're talking about the new cars and leasing. Very rarely, you know, they dictate what these cars are going to be worth two and three and four years down the road. The day they are sold or the day before they're sold, that's how they come up with leasing. Very rarely will that number ever change. You know, back when we had the $4 a gallon gas prices, yeah, a lot of the manufacturers got stuck because they had a lot of Hummers and Suburbans and stuff. People were just dumping on their leases and they weren't, nobody was wanting to buy them. But they, they recovered. And I go out and buy a car today. And when I buy a brand new car, one of the things I always do is look at the lease and what the residual is going to be because as long as I put twelve or 15,000 miles a year on a car every year, if the residual on that car is $18,000 in three years, I know that's what that car is going to be worth in three years. Uh, there's just too, This whole thing gets into manipulation of the market. Hopefully I answered some questions there, or, but that, that's how I feel some of that stuff happens. So wait, what what used car did you decide to buy, John? I'm sorry. Did I miss conversation? What? No, I haven't said anything. Hmm. <laughs> it was called sarcasm, John. In other words, I wasn't listening to everything you just said. I know. You were sending me pictures of cool cars. That you can't afford. But seriously, I'll sell you my Falcon. Yeah, but by the time I put need, John. I put Will's Vintage Air System on your 60-horsepower Falcon, and <laughs> I'm going back in time. No, I think I'm going to drive over and look at that uh, 1990 B2000. It's 4500 What about that Subie, man? I already have a Subie in the driveway. Well, there you go. You need another one. Ooh, yeah, you can be the Subaru household. Ooh, you have you have like a, a little like Scooby Doo um, like uh, air freshener or something hanging from the mirror in that right? So you got the Scooby and the Subi. Do we just want to end the show? <laughs> is, that what, is that what you're saying? <laughs> Scooby in the Subi. Hmm. Yeah. Come on. You have one in yours. Uh, no, no. But actually, I do have a little Scooby-Doo ornament for Christmas, and I could, uh, um, I could throw that in there really quick. And we could, we could have Scooby and the Subi. I could get a little like figurine of a, 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 like a baby chicken, and put it in my truck, and it'd be a cluck in a truck. Um, I think we need to quit. Um, I've already <laughs> checked. We're done. I've already like checked this, out. this episode or just all together. <laughs> well, guys, we made it just around a hundred episodes and, uh, <laughs> it's been nice. It's been a great run. Um, thanks for listening. Well, we'll see if Will joins us. I'm sure Derek and I'll figure out something for the next couple of weeks. If Will's not around and, uh, we'll stay into this, uh, John used car saga and uh, maybe we'll have some uh, a special episode in the next week or so about the uh, type 64 at auction in Monterey and what the mood in the room was. I'm really hoping I can get that uh, the, the, the guest on it. It was, I could, I couldn't believe what I saw. So, but with that, I'm out of here, guys. 
Later. We are done. See you later. Later. <laughs>